Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tisa Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year, even during these hard quarantine times. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm here. And I'm here. (laughs) I feel like we need to amend the 366 to keeping the spirit of Christmas alive all... 8.6 million days of the year. That's what it really does feel like. There's no delineation between days. No. Like, morning coffee is it. Like, that's it. Agreed. Tom, I don't know how you can work from home all the time. I don't work from home. I go to coffee shops. I work at my wife's shop. You know, I get around. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. You seem like the type who would get around. Being, uh, being locked up at home in isolation is definitely a different experience. I, had a I can with imagine. A, with a co-worker who has never worked remotely and didn't want to work remotely. And I'm sharing some tips with her yesterday because she's having a pretty rough time. That's nice of you to do that. So That's nice. You know, do you have any tips you want to share for people on the podcast who might be doing that? Which is probably a lot of people listening. Yeah. I do. You know, I've been doing it for years and been part of, you know, building remote culture at companies. One of the first things I learned is that you have to separate space. I failed at that today and tried to work downstairs. So I'm going to work right here at this space on this computer. And then when you close that computer and remove it from that space, you're no longer working. Because uh-huh. when, when work is at home, it's very easy for work to overflow into home time and vice versa. We've had a lot of, we've negotiated some troubles with that at my house on both sides. When I'm home, you know, when Christine's home and I'm home, she's like, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, this is work time. I can't. Or, um, you know, if I'm at the dinner table and I get something from work on my phone, it, you know, breaks the entire train of thought, you know, our conversation that we're having, all of our family time. So we've had to really work on that. And it's not something you can just set and do once. It's a continual, you know, reminder. You have to look at that yourself. You have to think about it. And it's really important that to follow a routine, most people do better when they work remotely if they follow a routine. So my workday starts after I get up typically. I mean, tomorrow, like our Friday, for example, is a, it's different because I have a call with people across the ocean early in the morning. But usually my day begins after I get early breakfast and then I go to work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm always, I have a hard stop at five unless there's something going on. You have to have boundaries. And you have to hope your boss also respects and has boundaries. Besides work, how's your week's been going? Pretty good. Today's my Friday. So, I mean, that's good. Uh, lucky. Well, because Disney's not happening, happening, I have a whole week of vacation days that I get to spread out throughout the year. So I'm taking some. And we're going strawberry picking on Friday as a family. And I am so 
excited about that. Where are you going? Joe's farm in Bixby. <gasps> Joe goes to my church. Does he? Well, my teens will be working there and helping you. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So I'm I'm pumped about this because I would pick strawberries and we would go to Arkansas over the summers to see my grandma and I used to love it so much and my kids have never done it and I am pumped. It's awesome. Oh. Well, yeah. If you see Joe or any young people, tell them Father Deacon Tom says hello. I will. How's your week, Anthony? Long. Mm. Tomorrow's only Thursday. Where are you on your friend's binge? Finished. Ah, finished. What are you on to now? I have been doing like shorter shows rather than a long commitment. So I binged season one slash the only season of The Muppets, which aired on ABC a few weeks, years ago, which is funnier than I remember it being. The Muppets is? Yep. And has an amazing Christmas episode that we should cover at some point. Oh. St- uh, guest starring, I, I never watched guest it. starring Mindy Kaling. And of course, her and Miss Piggy go at it because they're both drama queens. The divas. same human being in the world. They are. <laughs> they're both divas. <laughs> they got a lot of people on that show. They had Reese Witherspoon, Elizabeth Banks. They got a lot of people on that show. Oh, yeah. What else? I re-binge season one of what we do in the shadows which julia you have to watch i do i know i do they're like th- we're three episodes or four episodes into season two now okay like the show is and it's so good it's so funny you watch it tom i have oh i love it not religiously it's so freaking funny and i'm re-binging harley quinn now which is so freaking hilarious that explains okay. some facebook posts Yes. I have been watching Westworld. You're in for a ride, my friend. Every episode, I think I know what's going on, and then I realize I don't. Get used to it. Does it keep your interest, though, the whole time? It does. This season has been a bit slow, but it picks up midway through. Like, mine gets mind-blowing midway through. I'm only on season one still. That's still been my, my sentimental favorite. Every human in my house, including Jude, is watching Phineas and Ferb right now. <laughs> Hannah, That's Gabe, awesome. Ethan, and Jude are all watching Phineas and Ferb. There are a that lot worse awesome. things you have to be watching. Oh, absolutely. Tom, you're but, a Batman fan. Oh, Harley yeah. Quinn makes Kite Man cool, hilarious and cool. Really? <laughs> and cool. Really? He is so into Poison Ivy, and Poison Ivy doesn't have the time of day for him. He's always like, Kite Man, hell yeah! (laughs) This Kite Man. He is one of Batman's lesser-known villains, along with Condiment King. Are you serious? (laughs) And Polka Dot Man. These are like ones from like the 40s. Oh my gosh, Kite Man? Literally. Or is he made of kites? Literally, he has a backpack that he jumps off a building and a kite comes out of it and he like glides through there. He's basically got a windsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And that somehow makes him a super villain. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's so funny though, Tom. He's like, wait, does everybody here think I'm lame? (laughs) Yes. My desk for my office arrives. Ooh, yeah. Recording from my office next week. That's super exciting. So exciting. Is it got to be decorated since it's your podcast no. space? No. You need to put something. That takes way longer than all the other stuff. <laughs> it had been used for storage, so we had, to, we had to go through storage. So we're doing it in segments. And we have now tore out carpet, reef done the floor, painted all the walls from this really deep, 
burgundy color that nobody should have used. Painted the ceilings and three quarters of it. And we're starting to put put it back together now. But our desks, our matching desks will be here. Oh, they're matching? That's Mm -hmm. precious. But that, and we now have tomatoes that have started. We've got a few strawberries, blueberries, a big pepper that's almost ready to get picked. Oh, snap. That's awesome. Something has eaten all of our okra plants. Eating the leaves? Uh Uh-huh, before they start. I'll ask my mom about that. She's like an okra wizard. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm building hoops this week. Yep. Did you get your chickens yet? No. When's that happening? I don't know yet. I'm going to, we're trying to get the garden all up and running. We may wait a bit on the chickens. I don't know. I want some goats. That's what I want. I do too. Forget about mowing ever again. Yeah, never have to mow again. Just get some goats. I want a raccoon. You want a raccoon? You want a garbage, what's it called? Trash panda. Trash Trash panda. panda. (laughs) And Rocket has no idea what that is. No, he doesn't. (laughs) That's exactly what I want. They can be domesticated, but they're like having a perpetual two-year-old, just like having a monkey, because they get into everything and they can open things. And yeah, I've seen that Geico commercial with the with the raccoons because it's like my favorite commercial on television. Have we talked about it? I feel like we've talked about Uh it. No. Oh, so it's a bunch of raccoons out there in trash cans, and one of them's like, "Oh, this is horrible. You got to taste this." And he's talking to his buddy, and his buddy's like, "Why would I want to taste it if it's horrible?" He's like, "It tastes like Thai curry and burnt hair. Try it." (laughs) <laughs> it's like why would i want to try oh just hilarious. like just like you would do with your if you were with a friend right oh yes exactly and then Maya. they hear a dog barking and they all run off and they're like dog 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 <laughs> when they run off you've got to google it it's fantastic oh that's funny my heart just breaks for that video you see on social media you see people post a gif every now and then with a poor raccoon who drops his cotton candy into the water and as it dissolves in front of him he panics and like goes like <laughs> It's oh, so I haven't sad. seen that. It's so sad. So funny, but so sad. Your heart just I breaks for this dude. I have never, ever seen that. Oh, poor thing. My, my parents had a raccoon problem at their house. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they'd always get into the trash. Dad would go out every morning, and the trash would be strewn all over the driveway. So they started bungeeing the trash cans shut. That did not stop them. One day, he found that he opened the front door to get the newspaper, and trash led from the front door down to the trash can. Like they were sending a message. They had the, oh they had the jumpers off and I dragged the trash all along the path to the front, front door. Like that, Anthony's dad. <laughs> My granddad's grandmother had a raccoon growing up when he was growing up. And he told me that story. She would share like the lemon drops, you know, old people candy. Yeah. Um, she'd have one, the raccoon would have one. Well, she didn't get the raccoon one fast enough and he, tried to get it out of her mouth and tore her cheek open and she had to go get stitches. Oh my gosh. Be careful. So Harry Potter trivia question, which teacher really liked lemon drops? McGarnagill. Nope. It was Dumbledore. His password was Sherbert Lemon in the British book, but in the American books, it was lemon drops. And that's what the gargoyle would open for. Oh, I read the the British versions. I read both. All I know is the American versions, we got gypped. Our cover art is beautiful, but foreign versions are so much prettier. Yeah. You know, I, I think people everywhere feel that way about their cover art, though. I'm in all these Brandon Sanderson fan groups. And every time a new cover comes out in another country, everybody's drooling over it. Uh, I do have to say, by the way, I mentioned this book series before in the podcast, The Dresden Files. Two new books coming out this year. It's been like a two-year wait, and two are dropping. One in June, one in September, and I cannot wait. Or one in July, one in September. Nice. Yep. I just I heard wait. there's a prequel to Hunger Games coming out. I had not heard this. 
There's a book, yep, it's about President Snow, which a lot of people were upset about because they're like, we wanted somebody cool, like one of the former tributes rather than this villain, like. Yeah. It's what, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. And it's already being fast-tracked for a film. Of course course it is. is. They've got to get money off of her. Young Snow, And you know the next two, three Disney live-action films they're fast-tracking, right? No, which one After the Little Mermaid, which is in production already. They're fast-tracking Fox and the Hound, Hercules, and what's it? Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. <gasps> okay, they're doing a live-action Hercules? They are. Okay. And supposedly the three directors are considering, John Favreau, uh, the guy who did Pirates of the Caribbean, and... Gore Verbinski. Yep. And I forget the third one, but it was another big name. Oh man! They just have to get. I feel like they have to get Danny DeVito for the <laughs> for what's the guy's name? They should, yeah, for the little what's his name. I wonder who Hades, but who is Hades going to be? Because that's where they'll go totally wrong if they don't. Uh, get the you right know Hercules who I could, you, and they don't get the right Hades. You know who would be a really good Hades? Honestly, I think is Loki, Tom Hiddleston. I refuse to pass judgment on who should do it because I did not think Will Smith would be a good genie. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes it's the out of the box thinking that gives you the really good casting. Nobody thought Mr. Mom would make a good Batman in 89 and he turned out to be everyone's favorite Batman still. I love that movie. Mr. Mom makes me laugh. Michael Keaton's awesome. He is awesome. I know a movie Julia doesn't love though. Spoiler alert. Shockingly enough. (laughs) I to know. everybody listening, to exactly nobody's listening, is shocked. It's the film we're covering tonight, which is 2016's Better Watch Out, oh, which is an Australian-American psychological horror film. That's how IMDb and Wikipedia describe it. I think anybody who studied psychology would be greatly offended by that use of the word. Psychology. Oh, wait, you missed the little sub-description that calls it hot garbage. <sighs> Julie, got, Julie makes a very valid point. One that's yeah, irrefutable. Well, you two are outnumbered by 89% of Rotten Tomatoes on 6.5 on IMDb. I know of a celebrity politician who always badmouths polls and how bad the polling system is until a poll favors him, much like Anthony badmouths Rotten Tomatoes going back to our very earliest episodes, except when they're when they they validate his I, point I, I would say that's You're fake saying. news there's no proof of that <laughs> <laughs> is somebody gonna go through and <laughs> make a compilation of every time i bash on tomatoes no challenge so. accepted i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> we're all in quarantine i don't have anything better to do anthony <laughs> So, Tom, why don't you give us your sarcastic, snarky synopsis before I read the real one? Because I know you're itching and have been for days. Well, I wasn't planning this, but I can. I do love this new segment, by the way, that's been born. What? Uh, repeated. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's Tom snarky synopsis. <laughs> Some weirdly obsessed prepubescent boy decides he has a crush on his babysitter. She, being five years older than him, does not share the same feelings. That kid was not 12. I know he was supposed to be. He was not 12. What 12-year-olds have babysitters anyway? That's a ridiculous story plotline. That's ridiculous. Continue. Okay. Because of the unrequited love, he hatches this elaborate plan to murder her and the two boyfriends she's had since he's had this crush on her in ridiculous ways that make absolutely no sense, including the fact that he would have fallen over from the paint can. 
Okay. I'm sorry. That was fixation. ridiculous. Okay. So okay. Almost, first of all, almost first of all, somehow, somehow you got you got it wrong. You got it wrong. He wasn't trying to kill her at first. We absolutely really? was. Absolutely was. She says, "You were never going to let me go, were you?" And he said, "No." I challenge that. Those are his exact words. That was the quote. She realized okay. you you were never going to let me go, and he says, "No, I wasn't." So hold on. So this big, elaborate multi-murder scene ends when he pins the blame for everything else on on one another and goes to his bed to sleep, only for a surprise plot, plot twist that we haven't seen fifty million times. <gasps> There's a survivor, and the only thing she does as she's clinging to dear life is she sees him in the window and raises her middle finger because that's what you do when you're on death's doorstep. Dumb. It is dumb. The, so the, the real the, synopsis taken from IMDb. When you think suburbs, you think safety. But this holiday... Oh my gosh, you've already made me throw up. <laughs> I, I didn't write it, Tom. When you think suburbs, no, you No, but think somebody safety. who gave it a positive rating probably did. Uh, 89%. I knew it was going to be one of these nights when we had our back and forth in the Facebook group and Jerry put the Michael Jackson eating popcorn <laughs> <in> response. <laughs> when you think suburbs, you think safety. But this holiday night, the suburbs are anything but safe. Ashley thought this babysitting job was going to be an easy night, but the night takes a turn when dangerous intruders break in and terrorize her and the 12-year-old boy Luke, whom she's caring for. Ashley defends herself in her charge to the best of her ability, only to discover this is no normal home invasion. <gasps> oh, wow. Luke and his best friend Garrett are pranking the babysitter in an immature and dangerous attempt to seduce her. And when Luke ends up taking the prank too far due to his obsession, things quickly begin to turn deadly. Well, I have to say this. I'm going out of order. Not only do I not have a history with this movie, I will never think about it again after tonight. I will probably not even listen to this episode. The movie infuriates me so much. How it's just stupid (laughs) and illogical and ridiculous and there's no motivation there's no like these characters are as one-dimensional as you can possibly imagine sounds like you're describing yourself tom so i i never heard of this movie um i assume it's probably because it was indie australian right like i never heard of it was surprised to see billy from stranger things in it he was the one face i really recognized aside from the parents i recognized them and while it's no shocker that Christmas horror films are not my jam, aside from Krampus, which I quite like, the dislike I have for this movie is multi-level and shocked me as I was watching it from, for how much I, I didn't like it at all. But it won't shock many listeners because, you know, that's not my jam. It's not surprising to anybody. So So you too had this weird visceral response to this movie. I had a visceral hate for this movie that I can't even still explain. Like it I can explain explain it. I can explain parts of it. And like my main hate for it is just the laziness of Mm -hmm. the story and the directing. And it did bring about some things I didn't realize I was so passionate about. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anthony, and the crafting history with this movie? and the crafting is like crap acting it's a new word i just made for this movie cracked i Anthony. never heard of this movie before but like since when because didn't you put it on the schedule i did and it only okay. came up because it came up i don't know where it came up twitter maybe in one of our christmas feeds and i looked at it around tomatoes and saw 89 percent 
that's rare for a a christmas film in general and b a horror film and then let alone when you combine the two yes so like put yeah. it on the list not expecting much and i watched it and i freaking loved this movie you put it on the list before you had even watched it yeah oh i didn't know that all right good to know so, so christine's I, exact words when i told her you liked this movie what is wrong with anthony well that's kind of what i said when i watched trolls world tour about you uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so i love this film not krampus level for me not because krampus had the heart and the whole family aspect and that was i feel less of a horror movie and more of a fairy tale honestly yes yeah yes. fair that's fair and, and i think that's why i think we all loved krampus and i think even though we haven't covered it on the show yet i think that's why me and you liked rare exports too julia because it had that more of that yes. fairy tale vibe not less of a part horror. of part of my future revelation yes yep but i loved it as you know it was i'm a horror fan this was like i didn't i didn't hate it and i thought the music and the app and the scenery were great but we'll get into that yep I used to like horror films too before I watched this movie and it changed my opinion. Oh, hush. Of all horror films ever created. If this was a horror film that changed your opinion, then you have never seen a really crappy horror movie. Oh, I have and a you, love. And, I have you, and you watched Black Christmas three weeks ago. I, my response to this movie is, is I like this less than I did Black Christmas. You're insane. And I have a, I have a deep felt love for B-rate horror Bad films. horror films. Anyway, let's run through the credits real quick and then we'll let Tom go on his rant because I can tell he's itching because he's interrupted 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> this film was directed by Chris Peckover who has one other film to his name and a short film to his name. And because it was such a short filmography, I had to look into these films and... They do not sound like Anthony films, but they definitely sound like the guy who directed this movie type of films. So he wrote a movie called Undocumented, which was a 2010 film about a documentary crew accompanying a group of undocumented immigrants crossing the border whose plans run afoul when they are captured by a gang of sadistic radicals in New Mexico. So seems about right. And then he directed a 2007 short film called Alive and Well, which is about a captain of a com- of a commuter plane that crashes who convinces an unassuming badminton team that their only hope for survival is cannibalism. So this guy has a uh, Wait, so it's a ripoff of that Alive movie? There was I a hockey know. team? Pretty much. Yeah. So I guess guy this guy seems to have a type. He seems to have an issue with originality in movies. So this movie was written by Zach Kahn and Chris Peckover, the director. So Zach Kahn had, wrote one episode of Sketchy, 23 episodes of Mad TV, and Better Watch Out. And this director wrote Better Watch Out, the aforementioned Undocumented, and a film called The Race Walker, which is about a race walker out to defeat his arch enemy, Gunner. But before he's able to do this, he must literally survive dinner with his girlfriend's parents and grandfather. So this guy has a weird <laughs> type to him. Uh, <laughs> as much as I liked this movie, I will not be checking out any of those films because they don't sound me. This movie stars Olivia Dijon, Dijon as Ashley who is 
best known for playing Tara Swift in the Australian drama Hiding. She played Becca, <laughs> Becca in the M. Night Shyamalan film The Visit, and she plays Elle in, Netflix, in the Netflix series The Society. And she's also starring as Priscilla Presley in the upcoming Elvis biopic starring Tom Hanks and Austin Butler. So she has stuff to her name. Levi Miller, Levi Miller plays Luke Lerner. He's known for playing Calvin in A Wrinkle in Time and Peter Pan in 2015's Pan. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many times Peter Pan has to be remade because none of the recent Peter Pan adaptations have been good at all. Uh-uh. Like, just make the Disney version if you're going to make one. Yeah, just stick with what works. I'm surprised actually that's not on Disney's live action docket. Good point. It's coming, it, I'm sure. That and Pinocchio. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And Snow White, because there was talk about getting Peter Dinklage as grumpy. Oh, how funny. Ed Oxenbold plays Garrett, who's known best for the film Julian, which is where he got a lot of acclaim for, the television show Puberty Blues, and playing Alexander in Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. That movie is adorable Adorable. and precious. And I love that movie. That movie is so good. I I love that that movie. movie. Do you really? I love that movie. Yeah. Steve Carell is a dad and Jennifer Garner is a mom. Uh, yeah. All day, every day. Give me that movie and I'll watch it. He also Bro played, kangaroo in at the end. He was also in Paper Planes, the John Green movie adaptation and Wildfire. Alex Mickick as Rick, best known for the television series Preacher. He plays Hoover too. Uh, Darcy Montgomery as Jeremy. He's best known for playing Billy Hargrove on Stranger Things, Max's older stepbrother. And Jason Scott, the Red Ranger in the 2017 Power Rangers movie with Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Banks. And in Shut up. He was the Red Power Ranger? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It's funny. And in July of 2019, he released his own podcast, which features his own poetry. And it's titled DKMH, if anyone's interested. Interesting. And the only two other cast members in this are the parents, who most people will have seen in a million things before. Patrick Warburton plays the father, Robert Lerner, probably most famous for playing Elaine's on-again, off-again boyfriend, David Putty, in the final few seasons of Seinfeld. He was the tick on The Tick. He was Jeff Bingham on Rules of Engagement, Jeb Denton on Less Than Perfect, and he's Lemony Snicket on Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Next, he voices Joe Swanson on Tom's favorite TV show, Family Guy. Uh, he's he voiced Kronk in The Emperor's yep. New Groove, and That's my he favorite. voiced Buzz Lightyear on the cartoon Buzz Lightyear Star Command. And he's in a billion commercials. Yes. His voice um, is very Kronk. iconic. His yes. voice is iconic. And then Virginia Madsen plays Deandra Lerner, the mother known best, according to IMDb, for Dune, in which she played Princess Irulian. That film's getting remade and has a pretty spectacular cast, by the way. Uh, heck yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Dang. Uh, yeah. Did you like that book slash the original movie? Any uh, YouTube? Original movie, yes. Book, have not read it. Haven't read Tom, it. Tom, did you like haven't the movie, it. though? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she also played Helen Lyle in the horror series Candyman. She was in Sideways, The Haunting Connecticut, Red Riding Hood, the 2011 version. And she's appeared on Frasier, American Dreams, Witches of East End, Designated Survivor, and Swamp Thing on the DC Universe. So she has a lot of horror to her name, actually. And that's our cast. So Tom, because you're itching, would you like to kick us off with a rant? Yeah, I would. 
This movie <laughs> is what happens <laughs> if the talented Mr. Ripley, Scream, and Home Alone have some sort of weird three-way that produces a bastard child. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to stop you right there because as much as I love this movie... I lo- okay, as much as I like this movie, I love those three movies. So to com- even compare it to that. Did you, fin- did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> a bastard child of those three. Got together and somehow created a, a, an amalgamous bastard child that gets neglected throughout its entire life and kept in a, in a basement. Okay? There's nothing about it. It's just your typical, it's a nihilistic piece of crap that lapsed any sort of emotional or intellectual depth whatsoever the characters are so poorly written there is uh the the only twist in the entire movie happens 30 minutes in uh and in it there's nothing there's nothing of substance to this nothing at all there there's no explanation of, of what takes this this kid that everybody thinks is good but has been brooding underneath with no symptoms whatsoever and suddenly becomes this evil statistic murderer there's there's no build-up there's no there's no clues it's completely out of the blue that doesn't happen yeah it does lots of people don't realize they're living next door to serial killers statistically uh but somebody usually knows there are clues no especially at this btk they also uh, well, a wonderful family man he was also much more intelligent and he had stopped by the time he got his family that's what there were people too close to him I, d- I think it's unfair kids. to question this kid's intelligence because he knew how to clean, clean up a crime scene pretty well. And he didn't do it right at all. <laughs> it's a movie! Cl- <laughs> no! If we're going to believe that this kid is smart and going to get away with this, let's at least take the time to make him do it right. I will, also, Okay, I, I'll say my one complaint, my biggest complaint, not my one complaint, my biggest complaint about this movie was the pencil. I thought for sure the pencil was what was going to get him caught. I thought that was going to be Chekhov's gun. I don't understand the point of having this pencil plot point introduced at the beginning and then him remembering it at the end and actually putting it back. I thought that was going to be Chekhov's gun. Anyone else? No? Yeah. No, I absolutely did. Yeah, there was, a reason, totally there was no reason for that pencil to be there except for him to stab somebody in the face with it. It, it could, <laughs> again, that's what I mean. It was lazy. They could have used that much better. Like, yes, mom suddenly, like, you know, comes home, she sees the pencil. There's at least a seed of doubt in her mind or some sort of reaction other than, oh, my poor innocent baby. Mm-hmm. That um, would have been a lot a- more interesting. Absolutely. It would have okay. added depth. So, so, so for our listeners, since this isn't a well-known movie, like Julie said, it's more of an indie film. The, apparently this child, Luke, has been sleepwalking. So to his parents, to judge whether, to figure out whether or not he gets up in the middle of the night, put, the pe- put this pencil on the door uh, without him knowing, supposedly, uh, between the doorknob on the doorknob. So if he opens the door in the middle of the night, it falls to the ground, and they know. Okay. The whole thing is so contrived too. I feel like they throw a bunch of poor tropes, like this elaborately booby-trapped backyard. His, you know, oh, the cell phone's going to go in now. She suddenly can't make calls. Uh, okay, let let let's. And- let's- and hold on, I'm not done. I was told I could have a rant. You keep interrupting my rant. It's not a rant if <laughs> it's interrupted. I was told I could have a rant. Give me my There rant. is no reason for me to give two... There's no reason for me to care whatsoever about any of these characters. None of them. As they die, I'm like, meh, okay. Including when he shoots his friend in the stomach. 
there, there's just no emotional connection. I could not be less invested in any of these people. <laughs> I don't understand why this girl is leaving town, but it's like this huge big deal. And for whatever reason, she wanted to babysit one last time the night before she's going to leave. I am sorry you don't babysit the night before you leave town. You hang out with your friends and family. That's just the way it works. That's, again, stupid. If she said, oh, he's, she's leaving in a week or something, okay, maybe. But the, the next morning, not buying it. I will say the best part of this movie is his parents. And we see them for what, like two minutes? Dad's ties are funny. I was in dad's, dad's ties, ties are funny. <laughs> I was in dad's ties. I hate this movie, y'all. I hate it. That's okay. It's better than North Pole 1 and 2. Anyway. Not. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb agrees. He's <laughs> dropping that in the basket, uh, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to note that... Uh, Rotten Tomato fans don't agree as much as you would like to report. No, they probably they're pretty much on par with. It's still rated fresh, which is more than it's sixty six percent, which is about on par with the audience score at IMDb. Dude, why are we talking audience scores? You always bash audience scores. This is <laughs> infuriating. You always talk about how bad those are. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you don't understand the will of the people. This movie, right, the opening moments, put the opening moments before you know anything about this film, with the snowy neighborhood all lit up for Christmas, the snowmen and Silent Night playing, put me right in the Christmas mood. Can we agree on that? That was beautiful. The music in this movie is awesome. I'm going to just remind you, Anthony. And the scenery, when you see see outside, the houses. Yeah. Arthur Christmas is 92 on the tomato meter. That is really freaking high 92 the audience that one hurts you pretty bad christmas is three points better than this but the the user rating the average score is 76 that's a full 10 percent higher uh no accounting for taste. okay so now we're just so no, i'm sorry some of us don't understand the will of the people <laughs> so the music in this movie is spot on they picked some of my favorite versions. They're very Christmassy. It set me in a Christmas mood right away. And it's not just that the Christmas dressing is nice, like the lights on the houses, but the color he's using in the lights and stuff is freaking beautiful. It's very she's wrapped it up looks in like a winter wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but I mean, just like the color of it is so, so pretty. Oh, yeah. Very, when she, like when she's wrapped up in lights at the end. Yeah, the colors are so pretty. It's completely it's so impractical much, that he would wrap her up with lights. But I mean, that was like a little so homage pretty. to Black Christmas, right? The original Black Christmas, except done a lot better right. and looking a lot nicer than Black Christmas it did it. Does look nicer than Black Christmas. Your favorite Christmas movie, The Santa Claus, has seventy-one percent on the tomato meter and only sixty-five percent audience score. Seventy-one percent—that's pretty close to high garbage. Do you want to know what else ranks around the Santa Claus on Rotten Tomatoes? Or can we just agree to not bring up Rotten Tomatoes again? What else ranks ranks around around it? I don't know. I got to look it up. Oh, he doesn't even know. He just knows that there's something out there. (laughs) Okay. So at least we could be in agreement about the scenery and the music. Music and the scenery are the only things I like about this movie. I'm not moving away until we have a firm commitment that we are not bringing up Rotten Tomatoes again. I don't think you're going to get that. Unfortunately, because I'm gonna just have to say that I'm gonna have to compare this to the. Uh, okay. You want to play the Rotten Tomatoes game? Sixty-six percent for Christmas Vacation. Twenty point over twenty points lower than this. So 
Ashley shows up to babysit this 12-year-old kid who looks a lot older than 12. This kid does not look like he needs to be babysat. Uh, before she shows up to babysit, even if he him is and his... 12, does he need a babysitter? Do you know any 12-year-olds? When well, I was the mom... up, 12-year-olds were babysitting. The mom, was the a mom says he needs a babysitter because he sleepwalks. I mean, she just straight, straight up said it. You know, That's he's got these sleep either. issues. He hasn't been sleeping. He needs a babysitter. So. Not buying it. Yeah. Uh, so before she shows up, he and his friend are in the bedroom talking about how horror movies are essentially, you know, they're, they, they, put, they, put, they put people in the mood. And he's hot for babysitter. And he's hot for babysitter, who is a very pretty blonde girl. Anyway, who the dad hits on, which is creepy. Yeah, super you, gross. As a grown man, you do not comment on. A so that so that is, that is one thing. Okay, that is a criticism I have of this movie, Tom. Thank you for opening that up for me. It's a blatantly obvious uh, red herrings, if you can even call them that. They throw in between the dad and the pizza delivery guy, who you don't even see his face. Where you know, okay, this guy is not going to come back and be the killer. So why are you even trying this? That annoys. Me. But the pedophilia you're fine with. <laughs> oh my gosh. There are lots of creepy dads in lots of these movies. Yeah, I mean that's just that's a horror thing. That's right? a that's a horror trope. Let's so. face it, that's a trope. Yeah. Mom and dad leave. Best friend leaves. Luke tries to impress his babysitter by drinking. Yep. Which she shuts down, and he's obsessed with her virginity. Like you've done it before. And she's like, none of your business. <laughs> and then he catches her drinking and he's like, I won't tell if you don't tell. So then they drink together and sit down to watch a horror film together. <laughs> That's the first 20 minutes of this film. Yes, it is. Then you see weird figures popping up in the window. Uh, there are knocks you on the Santa door. Claus? Real old Santa Claus? That's weird figure now? Oh, oh <laughs> this movie has changed you. There's jump scares with a spider. There's jump scares with the spider. He attempts also, to reinforce the fact he's a gentle soul by saving the spider instead of squashing it. All of a sudden, an intruder breaks into the house. And they're stalked throughout the house. And he's, the, Luke keeps saying, I'll save you. I'll save you. He has a gun. And she's not impressed at all. She's basically like, don't be a hero, kid. And then she, and I think I missed this part. How did she figure out it was his friend? What gave it away? They're in the closet. The toy drops or whatever it is. Steps on a toy. And it's like she just works it out in her head. Okay. So there, I didn't miss anything. (laughs) No, it was like a light bulb went off in her head. And she's like, wait a second. I think he's staging this. We we figure out his friend is a home invader, and Luke and his friend planned this to scare the babysitter. So, as discussed at the beginning of the film, horror films release dopamines that turn people on, or what's the word that put people in the mood. And uh, he was hoping a real home invasion where he saved her would make her go crazy for him. You know, I can't tell you how many times I was on a date and I was like, you know what? You know what makes a lot of sense. <laughs> If I made this girl think she was about to die, I bet that would really score me some points. Yeah, man. Worked every time for you, Julia, was, right? Oh, yeah. You were running right to the arms of somebody every time you got near a murder in a home invasion. Absolutely. What was, abs- you know what, though? That is a trope. In a lot of these films, and the guy saves the girl, they end up together at the end. It does work. And that's the trope this kid was playing on. Yeah. What I found absurd, by the way, about the stalking through the house scene 
It is very clearly when it's just a figure stalking through the house, not his friend. It's a taller, more muscular it's figure. It's a grown it's man. It's a man. It's a grown man. But it's his dorky little friend. <laughs> and she's furious. She's going to call his mom, whatever. And as she's about to go down the steps, Luke's chasing after her. Wait, 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 wait. She turns around to face him. He smacks her and she tumbles down the steps and falls unconscious. Fade to black. Fade to black. Then fade into that blurry effect of somebody opening their eyes. And she's duct taped to a chair in the kitchen where Luke and Garrett are in front of her. Gareth goes along with this much easier than you would expect for a normal child who suddenly uh, in the middle of a hostage situation. Absolutely. <laughs> Completely unbelievable. Not going to lie, when it faded to black, part of me was like, is the hour and a half done already? Is this it? And sure then it felt like it did going. not. Yeah. Oh, it did, it did not. It absolutely did. Mm-hmm. It did not. This movie was under an hour and a half, including It's an credits. hour and 28 minutes, and the first 30 minutes of the movie felt about that long. Y'all are crazy. So she wakes up, and they're taunting her. Luke draws lipstick on the duct tape, which was a... I remember that happening in Charlie's Angels. They'd do that to Julia, to Drew Barrymore. Huh, uh, what's okay. his name does? Who's that guy? Oh, yeah. Um, the creepy one from... He was in Iron Man 2. He played one of the villains in Iron Man 2. What's his name? He played George Bush in the Vice movie with Dick Cheney that just came out. Yeah. He's a... Can't well, whatever. It. Anyway, he I did know. that to Drew Barrymore in that movie. And... They play this, this, and this is a worst part of the movie to me because it made me feel so uncomfortable. They play this really tr- creepy game of truth or dare with her. Yep. Where yeah. she, she says truth. I knew you were going to pick truth. So they ask her about her romantic life and situation. Don't believe her when she answers honestly. And then, of course, they dare each other. So Garrett dares him to feel her up. And then when Garrett picks Dare, he's like, dare me to make out with her. And he's like, no, she's my babysitter. Which is <laughs> creepy. Dumb. Dumb. You know that Saturday Night Live skit with Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler when they do the Bronx talk? So stupid. Dumb. It's so dumb. Stupid. You know how they do that? Yes. It's like my favorite skit ever on Saturday Night Live, by the way. They're my favorite. Anyway, that's what I think of. If I were editing this podcast, this episode, I would just have that going the entire time. Just on a loop. Legit my favorite Saturday Night Live skit of all time. <laughs> I love them. They're magic. I'd marry both of them. Oh, they're pretty amazing. Both of them are just absolutely amazing. Super uncomfortable, pervy teenage talk. And I felt very, very uncomfortable. And I use the 15 second skip a lot in this moment because like, uh, no, I'm not going to sit there and listen to that. It's not even believable talk though, especially how much Garrett just goes along with everything and just, not this is submissive. It's after this moment, he starts pushing back a little bit. When he starts threatening her with the gun, that's when he starts like, dude, you know, she can help us get out of this. You know, it's like, stop, you're taking it too far. The boyfriend shows up or the ex-boyfriend or I think it was the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, like the most current ex-boyfriend. The most they, current. Didn't they didn't actually break up. They just well, got she in a told fight and them. she hung up. They, they had a fight because he spread a rumor that, you know. No, that was the other boyfriend. Min- oh. <laughs> okay, well, this boyfriend. I see why you like it. You weren't paying attention to this movie. That would no. make me like it more too. 
I can't wait till we do North Pole in two weeks, Tom. Ugh. I cannot wait. <laughs> dumb. So dumb. Dumb. So dumb. Dumb. At least it doesn't have some random can. It's not random. He says he was testing the Home Alone theory. They bring it up in the beginning of the movie. I know they did, but to have this random, but to still bring it and like it smashes the guy's face and he's still sitting up vertically? No. Uh, More realistic than the paint can not doing any damage to Harry or Marv. It's also uh, Home Alone is is funny. (laughs) This was a black comedy. Home Oh, yeah. Home Alone oh, would not have been funny if it would have had some serious damage to, to wasn't it, was it Mars' face? <laughs> both of them. Both of their faces. Yeah. Black comedy is a high bar to set this at because <laughs> black comedy can go very, very right. And this one did not. It wasn't, it wasn't. Mm-mm. So what's an example of a black comedy in your mind that went very, very right? I mean, I can't think of one on the top of my head. Fargo? There you go. Fargo. Perfect example. Train spotting? I mean, it's, no, it's no Fargo, yeah. but it's still good. Burn After Reading? I hate Burn fiction. After Reading. Burn After Reading was an awful film. I never saw that one. Pulp Fiction? I mean, yeah. Harold and Maude? So you, you could have stopped at Fargo. <laughs> I'm just saying it can be done really well. Yeah, it can be done really well because there's usually a level of intelligence underneath it and you believe the actors. And even in your most despicable people, especially in black comedies, there's something a little bit likable about something, about some of them. Like in their despicableness, you find yourself like, I really like that guy. He's a total psychopath, but man, I really like him. And, and that's it's how hard I to felt about this. I my favorite black comedy, Fight Club. That's one of your movies that you picked. It is one of my movies. Are you doing it? I'm still still working on my list. And it's like super stressing me out, by the way, Anthony. So thank you for that. That I have to limit it to 10. And have some diversity in there. Christine told me she would do it, but she's still not doing it either. Can 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 I take this moment to talk about, I think, what was the nail in the coffin for me on this movie? Go for it. I would appreciate that. Okay, so one, it made me realize, and Anthony, you called it out like way faster than I realized it while I was watching it, is when it comes to horror movies, I like fantasy horror movies a lot. Like, that's my category. And I don't even think I realized there was a category of that. That's my horror category. So you were never like a Halloween Scream fan? No, I never liked those. Scream was a black comedy? Yeah, I don't know. I think that might have been like my age and the fact that when I did see it, it wasn't its entirety because my parents were like, that's a no-no movie, right? Mm-hmm. So some of yep. it's that. So that one, if I watched it now, I might appreciate it a little bit. So there's that. My biggest problem with this is one thing that's extremely hard to nail down in a movie well is a psychopath. And when you do it well, it's awesome and brilliant. And you remember those performances for the rest of your life, okay? Like Silence American of the Lambs. American Psycho. American Psycho. Cape Fear. Um, most recently, did y'all watch Mindhunter on Netflix? Yep. Yes. Yes. So one of my favorite psychopaths is, um, what's his name? The one in prison that helps him out and he's the informant and he is freaking fantastic. Like Joaquin and Joker? Edmund Kemper, Joaquin and Joker. Okay. So this guy, this kid is like the world's worst psychopath. Cause I don't believe him. 
there's nothing I like about him. And all good psychopaths should have a side to them that you kind of are attracted to in some way or another, right? Either you can reason with them. Some part of them seems reasonable, even though you know they're total crazy, or you feel for them in some way, nothing. And I don't know if it's the kids acting or if it's the writing or if it's both, but I don't like this kid. I don't care about this kid. He's not scary enough for me. He's just, he's dumb. And Um, I'm pretty sure that's what makes me incredibly angry with this movie because like I could have gotten behind this with a whole lot of tweaks, like a lot, like rewrite the movie and call it something else. And maybe I would enjoy it. But I found out if you don't do a psychopath right in a psychopathic movie, I'm gonna hate you for it. I don't think he has a lot to go by. We're comparing him to a lot of adult actors. We don't see a lot of childhood psychopaths. Even like in real life, we, they tend to, the childhood murders, unless they're older, like high school shooting them up. You don't really see like. Children of the Corn was better than this movie to me. I just, I didn't, I, I think that was my main disconnect. That and the dialogue was stupid and it didn't feel original enough. So I, I actually quite like movies that pull on tropes specifically, right? If they do it right. And they're pulling all those tropes and lines. That's why if you haven't seen Scream in full since you were a kid and your parents made you watch it, you'd probably like I need to re-see it. I probably would. Yeah. But like this one didn't do it to satisfaction at all. I mean, I could see where they were trying to, but it was like a roll your eyes response. It wasn't a, oh, you did that well. I see what you're doing there. That's clever. There was no clever... I just, you, I have a, I really don't, I can't fully explain why I don't like this movie so much. I can think of a specific example that uses a child who is out of his mind and does a great job. And that's the good son. It can be done. I think the two things we hit right here though are um, the kid's not given a lot to work with. The script sucks. Yeah. The plot line sucks. There's no, the writer and director did not give anything to this kid for him to uh, develop a character. And I think Julia hit the nail right on the head when she says there has to be something likable, relatable, understandable with, with a, with a, an anti-hero, an evil anti-hero like this, right? You need something mm. to connect to them. And this movie gave me nothing to connect to nothing at all. It was some, his acting too, because I got very, I got like, stage over actor vibes from him and I also got like soap opera vibes from his act like throughout the whole thing which I mean he's young so right especially that scene where he confronts Garrett and shoots him and I should have felt some sort of difficulty some sort of moral quandary he had there but it just didn't exist well and even to a point where I didn't even feel the triumph of knowing he's gonna get caught at the end nope you know like, you know, in really good, in movies with bad people that you really want to hate when they finally get their comeuppets in the end, it's like victory. And the middle finger gave me no victory feels. Also, it with the way the mom the feels, overreacted. But it was undercut by the mid-credit scene where he tells his mom he wants to visit her at the hospital because he's worried about her. Oh, I didn't even stick with it through the mid credit scene. So he's not like in jail and stuff? No, I had, like, it takes place two oh, seconds like right later. After. Like, I'm worried about her. I want to go visit her. Presuming, you know, implying he's going to try to finish her off at the hospital. Sure. You know, the problem, the problem here, though, is I don't think mom would have let him look out the window to see that with as much as she was supposedly coddling him, right? She was a terrible she, mother, though. I mean, she's laying in bed 
you know, treating him like a child. He he needs a babysitter. Oh, let's just let him look at this mass scene of carnage out of. She the tries to now. stop him doing it. She tries, but she didn't do a very good job. And I think she that the ba- the mother I'm supposed to believe this mother is would have not let it happen. I didn't get the feels that she was that mother. <laughs> the mother she was supposed like they were trying to make her seem to be. Is you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess know. they were trying. I'm not sure. She's hard to get a grip on. Weak sauce. Weak sauce. Yeah, weak sauce. Uh, Damien from The Omen. That's another one where the kid freaked me the heck out, y'all. And when you he can had get to do a, nothing except stare. Stare creepily, though. I mean, man, the kid is creepy. Real kids are creepy when they just stare and do nothing else. That girl from The Ring was freaking scary. That movie scared the poo out of me. Dude, that's gross. <laughs> Glad I didn't watch that movie with you. It's really scary. And Marty and I went and saw it in Stillwater together. That must have been embarrassing. Awkward. <laughs> so it's a really scary movie. I think I've ever seen The Ring. Oh, I still think about like some of the scenes in that movie. It's like the, it's, un- it's like the. It's very unnerving. It's like that. Um, it is. That's the word. It's not scary. It's unnerving. Like it makes it, it like purposely tries to make you feel uncomfortable. Like yes. the actual videotape itself when they show you that, like all the image, like oh. Yeah. yeah, it's like the tunnel scene in the original Willy Wonka. Oh, gosh. Willy Wonka. Oh, I hate that tunnel scene. That tunnel scene alone could have been a horror flick for me because I'm lame sauce, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up killing the boyfriend, most recent boyfriend with a paint can. He gets really excited. I told you it didn't work like that in Home Alone. And this is one of my favorite shots in the movie. I thought it was very well done. They don't show the gory face or anything. It's just the... Uh, yellow paint mixing with the blood. I thought that was very well shot. It looked like ketchup and mustard. Is what it, it really was. did. <laughs> like, well, he even points that out too. Well, you look like a oh, sandwich. When it, when it sprays all over his friend, the paint and the oh. red, he's like, you look like a sandwich. Uh. And uh, now his friend's really like, uh, I want to get out of here. And he ends up killing his friend. Yes, he does. And then he ends up texting the ex-boyfriend, the guy from Stranger Things, who Billy. spread all these rumors about Ashley yep. that they had gone all the way, you know, to make it seem like, so he comes over, he hangs him, makes it seem like he, he killed himself after killing Ashley, who he then proceeds to kill or so he thinks. Then yes. he quickly cleans up the house, goes back to bed, parents come home, cops come, you know, we think he got away with it, but nope. Well, I would say stages the house, not cleans up the house. Stages yeah. the house. Yeah. Then he le- then uh, there's a survivor. He hears a cop shout. There's a survivor. Turns out it's Ashley. She used the duct tape that he had kept over her to tape up her wound enough to survive, to stop herself bleeding out. He meets her eyes through the upstairs window. She gives him the finger. She gets thrown to the ambulance and the end. Until two minutes later... He's asking his mom if he can visit her at the hospital because he's worried about her. It's a horror flick. They got to keep it going. And then the end. And then the end. And there was rejoicing in the countryside. (laughs) And I went and watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and felt good about my life again. So I'm going to sum up my final thoughts on this film by quoting one of these critics, an ingenious and efficient black comic shocker unfolding in real time over one seasonal evening in a preposterous American home. While the film is more cartoonish than psychologically believable, it's willing to go to some generally uncomfortable places and is held together by the acting of its young stars. So. Definitely agree with the uncomfortable places. I, too, 
I'm going to read from a critic review from RogerEbert.com. Better Watch Out is an infuriating sit because it requires you to invest in the problematic bullying of a certain type of character, then cheer on the same stock type as he or she defends expectations and refuses to uh, be pummeled into oblivion. It's the kind of movie that pushes your buttons at every turn and casts actors based solely on their ability to play to your snap judgments of what they're really like off screen. The director and writer run with these notions, then let you fill the, in the blanks of what their characters are actually like, drawing on decades of other genre film that sold you on the same bill of goods. Sexual repression, bad. Token female empowerment, good. When the film ends, we've traded one set of unchallenging cliches for another. Oh. Provides a fun twist on the home invasion subgenre that should give horror fans a hilariously disturbing viewing experience. I have a few problems with that one. The word fun and the word hilarious. Well, <laughs> this movie was neither <laughs> fun nor hilarious. A horror comedy about a deranged 12-year-old boy with a script that feels like it was written by a deranged 12-year-old boy. <laughs> like dueling banjos. <laughs> <laughs> Working within a heavily codified structure, Peckover has found a way to keep it fresh and exciting. Better watch out the definition of a black horror comedy with great performances all around. It's a festive tree all year round, and you'd better watch it. So despite the atmosphere wait, wait, and the music, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think it's a Christmas film. No. Set at Christmas. Set at Christmas. Can I just say, what is the least Christmassy thing ever? An aquarium. That aquarium, like, sucks all the Christmas out of that room. And I never thought about it before, but like, what's the least Christmassy thing ever? An aquarium. There's nothing Christmassy about an aquarium. All right. I'm going to share my final thoughts now. I'm going to read another review. It should be fun, but it's another Christmas slasher without a bigger plan. The finale is the only bright side of the production, which in very graphic ways unmasks the great plan of the main character. What a weird mess of a movie. The twist was telegraphed quite poorly and the film lacked tension. Plus, the way it was shot and edited made everything feel grossly sexual in a really tawdry way. Shut it off halfway through. Well, uh, since I'm editing tonight and hosting, I'm going to end with my final thoughts. <laughs> it's just going to be Anthony reading positive reviews. Better Watch Out <laughs> is a fun, surprisingly emotional horror movie experience. It's like a puzzle that horror fans get to dissect, which makes it a true joy to watch. Even better, it's a movie that demands you react to it. You'll laugh, you'll yell at the characters, you'll cringe. I did one of those, a lot. <laughs> this film is terrible. It is pointless. No, It has no overarching purpose. Although... Uh, the acting is decent. That's the only positive I can say. It only serves as a guide to how sadistic people can be. It's extremely difficult to watch. I don't know if you're supposed to like or sympathize with the good guys or the bad guys, because what this film was trying to do with humor is all wrong. Every Saw, every Saw film is superior to this for the fact that it, sh it knows torture and death is terrible and there's nothing funny about it. Please avoid this sadistic film. Let's rate this thing. But before we do, I'll just read one more blurb. An interesting take on the home invasion model. It's well acted, tongue in cheek, funny, and although not terrifying, provides a few jumps more than the average number of surprises. Tom and Julia, what would you, uh, uh, oh, 
I'm sorry. I am gonna totally play dueling banjo music underneath that whole story. Yes, please. The whole movie is just utterly <laughs> disgusting and unbelievable. So unbelievable that even its numerous plot twists, which are not as clever as the script writer would like us to believe they are, cannot save this film. And with that, <laughs> let's rank this thing. I'm giving this a zero and I'm gonna go a step further as to put, I would rather watch Kirk Cameron Saves Christmas than this movie again. You know, I was thinking point one, but I think I agree with you. I think Kirk Cameron is less insufferable than this film. I'm gonna go with a zero as well. I'm going 8.5. Are you flipping Oh, no, you're me? not. Are you serious? I'm, I'm going 8.5, which gives <gasps> us a 2.833. You went 8.5. You're okay. putting this movie as good as Scrooged. <laughs> a Scrooge is not one of my go-to every year ones. You've got this movie okay, so almost, almost as high as Anna and the Apocalypse. 2.833 makes it fall between The Night Before Christmas and Just Above the Star. <laughs> I... I think you're trolling me, Anthony. I really do. I'm sorry. You cannot think this is an 8.5. This is not nearly as good as TLC's Secret Santa. It is 100% better than Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. No, it's not. not, There is nothing you can do to get me to watch any of this movie again, ever. That's fine. 2.833 is the average. I am am a little curious. That puts it between The Night Before Christmas and The Star. Above The Star. This is the first time in our, (laughs) what, nearly three years now that I have regretted my decision to join this podcast with Anthony. This is the first time Anthony has disappointed me to that level. Oh, this is the first time I have been disappointed that Tom was the first person to reach out to me about this podcast. Oh my gosh, you guys. What did you think, Anthony? What, I mean, did you think Tom was going to like it? I mean, you knew probably no. my feelings on it. No. I just didn't know. No, but I definitely don't think it's Kirk Cameron saving Christmas, Ben. Didn't think it'd be that low. Yeah. I really do. Well, that's fine. I take comfort in knowing... That the public agrees with me. You mean movie this is an odd? That- have you ever disliked something but you can't put your finger on why exactly? Oh yeah, well we'll get into that when we do our when we go over social media those six movie things because there are some movies oh, right. in there that I eliminated completely certain groups because movies were in. Me too. <laughs> some of those. I was wondering what. My, my thought when I was reading this and I'm looking through and seeing how the movies are paired, it's like, what sociopath put these movies with these? <laughs> I've got to look that list up. Okay, so I'm glad we're moving on to something where Anthony and I can agree. This makes uh, me We happy. don't agree on the same room. I'm sure there are oh, some the of same these, team? There are some of these things we're going to agree just suck and have to be eliminated. I think we should each rank them one through six. I like that idea too. Julia, do you want to let people know where they can chime in about Better Watch Out? Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm interested in the conversation that'll come out of this one. Um, so we have some social medias. You've probably heard us mention them as we do every week. But if you want to interact with us, and we really want you to interact with us, you can do that in pretty much any of the social medias that are out there. And we're not on TikTok. Don't expect it. We don't dance, and we don't sing on video. We also don't believe in downloading Chinese spyware onto our devices and letting <laughs> and giving them access to all of our personal and private information. I mean, at least two using- of us on the podcast did that aging thing. Oh, that wasn't Chinese. That was Russian spyware. That was Russian. If you're using TikTok, 
delete, delete, delete. <laughs> um, so while you can't find us on TikTok, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook groups, Facebook, and Reddit. And a super easy way to get to that is just to go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Reddit backslash Facebook group backslash Twitter. Just insert your social media there. It'll take you right to our pages. You can see about all of our awesome listeners and their really good opinions about stuff, even if you think ours are all crap, which is totally fine. And you can chat with us. And some of us are present and some of us are active and you get to decide who is what based on the day. Because let me tell you what, yesterday I was jamming on those social media. So sorry you missed it if you are not on there. Um, Anthony and Tom are highly, highly active and they post some really good content and they're always the first people to respond to stuff. So if you have ever wanted to get to know a podcast host personally, I think we might be the place for you. I definitely think we are. Um, I know Anthony and I had some rough moments this episode. Um, attempted humor that got edited out went too far and I apologize, Anthony. <laughs> I will say Anthony has been posting some really cool stuff to our Facebook group lately. If you have not been following um, the Facebook group, you should. It's been, uh, there's been some really fun stuff on there that I've liked. I especially liked the uh, post you did. Uh, this is a little dated, but the National Superhero Day post, Anthony, from Marvel Studios. That was rad. And Anthony posted a really fun game that I learned a lot about a lot of our listeners through. This is comes courtesy of Gary Blauman, the listener on Reddit who wanted us to bring back the question of the week. And he mm -hmm. has been delivering with his questions and games. So Gary, Good night. he's up. amazing. Yes. Yeah. So he posted a game, best Christmas movies that randomly group Christmas films into different teams. And you could only choose one team without changing any of the films on the team. Right. Do That's we believe it was an algorithm that put these together? No. Whatever the case. Okay, no. Whatever no. the case, it grouped a bunch of well-known Christmas movies into different teams. And the premise of the game is you have to pick one team. If you can only watch these Christmas movies on said team, only these movies for the rest of your life, which team would you pick? So I'm going to read through the teams real quick, and then we need to reveal which team we picked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So team one, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Scrooged. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Muppets Christmas Carol, Trading Places, and The Holiday. Team two, Elf, White Christmas, Frosty the Snowman, 1994's Little Women, The Sound of Music, and Prancer. Team three, Home Alone, Jingle All the Way, Bad Santa, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Night Before, Just Friends. Team four, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 2000 version, live action. The Polar Express, the original Miracle on 34th Street, A Charlie Brown Christmas, the 1951 version of A Christmas Carol, which was Alistair Sims, and Office Christmas Party. Team 5, A Christmas Story, Home Alone 2, Die Hard, Gremlins, Christmas at the Cranks, and Serendipity. Team 6, It's a Wonderful Life, The Santa Claus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original animated one. Love Actually, Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I'll Be Home for Christmas. Y'all, I want to say It's like Sophie's choice. I mean, <laughs> I want to start this by saying one thing. We have done a lot of episodes, y'all. <laughs> yeah, we have. We have covered almost all of these. Almost all of them. When I'm looking at them, I'm like, wow, we uh, are not going to get any ideas for new episodes from this. I, I mean, are ask, we ever going to put Sound of Music on our Christmas Have y'all ever considered the Sound of Music? That is not a Christmas. Is it only on this list because of favorite things which is also not a christmas song yeah i think so i think it must be it doesn't even get extra airtime at christmas 
So it, how in there's the world- not even one scene at Christmas, is there? No. No. How did favorite things become a Christmas song? Like I get pennies from heaven. Elf We've wondered this. That's so iconic. Our, fr- our friend Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House podcast posted about this on Twitter. How and why it's considered a Christmas song? I think we should not tell them why here, and instead encourage people to listen to one of our fellow Christmas Podcast Network podcasts. I yeah, agree. Mike, it's a great Mike is a, yeah, and yours truly, me and Julia have guest hosted on that one, Mickey, Mister Magoo's Christmas Carol. Yes, and Mike's did. a great guy. He's a lot of fun. So check out his show. But which room would you have picked and why? Which team would you have picked and why? Team one is my team. And I'll give you a little rationale behind it. Because there's a magical trifecta to me in this one that I really quite like. And it's National Lampoons, The Muppet Christmas Carol, and then the last, the third spot split between Scrooge and The Holiday. I do not like Trading Places. That's on the list. I could do without that one, and I could do without Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but pretty much you put National Lampoons and Muppet Christmas Carol in any list, and that's what I'm going to pick. For me, I felt like it was a Sophie's Choice between Team 1 and Team 2, because Team 2 has Elf and White Christmas, but it also has Prancer, which I didn't love, and The Sound of Music, which isn't even a Christmas movie. So that pushed me into Team One camp. I mean, National Lampoon's Scrooge and Muppet Christmas Carol. Forget about it. Anthony, what team what you are think? you on? Well, it's funny that what you said this is Sophie's choice for you, Tom, between one and two. Because Team Two, bottom of my list, was the one I eliminated <gasps> first. As you know, it's a little painful, I, right? Because but you don't like Christmas. I hated White Christmas. Yeah. I hate the 94 version of Little Women. The Sound of Music is not a Christmas <gasps> film. I didn't know that. The Sound you of do? Christmas is not a Christmas film. And Prancer's depressing. Elf and It kills me. Elf and Frosty are on that list. But just I look know. at the teams. That was the one that was easy to get rid of for me. I didn't know so, you hated the 1994 Little Women. Mm-hmm. I like the older version. Spoiler alert. I love the new version. I hated the 94 version. Oh, that's coming up on our schedule, too. It's not a Christmas film either. Said I Christmas, but we can do Oh, yeah, no, way. I would never say that was a Christmas film. Agreed. Um, so for me, it was Sophie's Choice between four and six. Okay. So four was The 2000 How the Grinch, Polar Express, Miracle on 34th Street, The Original, Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas Carol, and Office Christmas Party. That one's pretty strong. And Team Six was <laughs> It's Wonderful Life, The Santa Claus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Love Actually, Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I'll Be Home for Christmas. Anything with Mickey's Christmas Carol is very strong. Very strong. And as much as it killed me, because the Santa Claus is a number six, number four edged it out. Oh, number four. And I will tell you why. Because there's only one of those movies on that list I wouldn't watch ad nauseum, and that is the Polar Express. Polar Express, yeah. The Polar Express. The Grinch, as we know get a 10 for me. The original Miracle on 34th yeah. Street nearly got a 10 for me. A Charlie Brown Christmas got a 10 for me. Scrooge, this version of Christmas Carol, Alistair Sims is my favorite version, got a 10 for me. And Office Christmas Party got like a 7 or 8 for me. So Team 4 was strong. Team 6, I'll Be on for Christmas, ruined it for me. And I like Love Actually, but that's it's not fair. one I can watch all the time. Like that's not mm-hmm. always in my December Christmas watch list. So those two dragged it down. So team four was the win for me. Five got a lot of votes on social medias. Five would come in the close third for me. Okay. So what's your order, Anthony? 
from best to worst, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Four, six, five, one, and one. Okay, so five. Five would have been my pick if it hadn't been for Serendipity. I loathe that film. That movie would get a zero if we cover that film from me. I hate that film. And it's not a Christmas John Cusack? Film, in my opinion. Yeah, John Cusack. Not a Christmas Cusack film. Sale. So I hate that film. Otherwise, top team five would have been a sleeper win for me. But I'd, I'd put up with I'll Be Home for Christmas over that garbage. Anyway, <laughs> so coming in at number four is team one. What brought this down for me, Hated Train Places, didn't like the holiday. Muppet Christmas Carol is not my favorite version of Christmas Carol. And Scrooge, I don't watch every year. Christmas Vacation and Rudolph are the winners in that one for me, but they couldn't carry it for me. Three comes in next. That doesn't even come in last for me. Uh, I could do without Bad Santa and Just Friends, but I could deal with Jingle all the way. And I like the other three. I love Home Alone. Really like the other two. Mm-hmm. And Team Two, like I explained already, comes in last because Elf and Frosty couldn't carry those weak links so what about you guys what's your it's a weak link yes it is my list goes number one then number six then number two followed by number four even though it has two movies on it i really don't like nope that's backwards sorry i go one six two five four three and three just the only thing on there that redeems three for me as a christmas movie is home alone you like Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. But it's not a Christmas movie. We, we all agreed it's like an in-between movie. <laughs> we did not all agree on that. <laughs> did I vote it as a Christmas movie? No, you say it's in-between. Me and, and Joe oh. says it's Halloween. I say it's Christmas. Yeah. I think we all okay, agree so it's an of, arcing movie, though. We do yes. kind of all agree on that, yes. We, we agree it's a what? Arcing, arcing movie, movie between the it two. It is, it is. It is. So no, I do like I do like Nightmare Before Christmas, but if we're if I'm wanting to sit down and watch a Christmas movie, right, right, right. it's never gonna be the one I pick. All right, Julia, let's see yours. All right, so team one is the top, and then I'm gonna go four, six, five, two, and three at the bottom. And okay. four, you what carries four for me are Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown right. is good. And you like Those the Polar are... Express, right? I do like the Polar Express. Yeah. I really want to do a Polar Express this year if, you know, we're not all still in quarantine. I want to do one of those train rides. That'd be neat. That's cool. Three was toward the bottom of all our lists. It's bottom yep. for you two, second bottom for me. Four and six are pretty high on Julia's list. One was Six is pretty high on all of our lists. lists. Yeah. yeah. Six, six and one were the two. Well, no, one was mid for me. Six is pretty that common denominator, I guess. Uh-huh. So I think if we did an av- if we did rank choice voting, it'd probably be this, team six would win. Team six would win, and you know what? I'm okay with that. That's a good. That's I'm a okay good with that. I'm a, I'd be okay with that. Like I said, close second for me. So yeah, it was it was it was good. Immediately when I looked at this list, the first one I saw was two, and I saw Elf and White Christmas, and I really thought that was going to be my yeah. Number. We got a lot of feedback on this uh, game, and it helped mm-hmm. us learn a lot about our listeners. So. Stephen Beach picked Team 1. In his mind, only weak link in that chain is Rudolph. Second choice is Team 6. That would be my first choice, but JTT makes me want to injure people. Jerry agrees with him, but he sees a weak link as the holiday, not Rudolph. So I would agree Mike with Patton that. ranked almost exactly as Anthony did all of them. He said, I ranked each film on the list and came up with the following team order. Four, six, three, or five and three a tie. One and two. Huh. So if we moved three up one on yours, you would have the same exact ranking. 
Michael Crystalman wrote, wow, that's tough. I'd go for Team 4, but I wouldn't watch Office Party or The Grinch. Vinny said Team 5 is sneaky good, which it actually is when you look at Team 5, except for Home Alone 2. Hmm. Might need to Ooh, go with Team 6, a, though. Huh. That's a, that's a hot take on Home Alone 2. Jerry has a hot take on Elf. He thinks uh, <laughs> Christmas Vacation, yeah. Scrooge, and Rudolph are all better than Elf. He does not like Elf or the Santa Claus very much. So, Jerry, we love you, man, but... He just takes us both out at the kneecaps, man. <laughs> Evan wrote, I hate to lose White Christmas, but Team 1 is my, well, has a lot more rewatchability. <laughs> uh, Disco F- Stephen Beach wrote, what kind of psychopath is going to be Team 3? You might have Home Alone Nightmare Before Christmas, but look at the rest. Good God. Well, Stephen Beach, we, we, did, get <laughs> we did get one listener who, who picked Team 3 as their first. And that is Josh Joseph Blankenship. He wrote, tough call. I'm close to picking Team 6 because of It's a Wonderful Life and The Grinch. Honestly, I'm going to have to go with Team 3 because how could I not pick the team with Home Alone and Nightmare? Come on, Elfman and Williams always win. Our good friend from Christmas Clatter said it's a tough choice between 5 and 6. I think I'll go 5. It has action, comedy, and a tad horror. And then Vinny said this guy approves your choice of going with number five and he posted a picture of donald trump giving directions in the plaza to kevin McAllister. Yeah, and todd that. and todd killian replied i did say the list contained horror <laughs> april wrote team one i'm offended that elf was paired with white christmas april i hear you i also <laughs> do not like that movie uh we actually literally just got feedback a few minutes ago from april not related to this, but she wrote on Twitter, I slept on Brooklyn Nine-Nine for too long, but started watching thanks to this pod. I started watching it and been to the show and Animal Crossing has been me doing this last two weeks. So, oh, Glad nice. we could bring that joy into your life. I feel like that's a, that's a sleeper show. A lot of, uh, it's, it's not getting, people, it doesn't get enough love. No, it doesn't. it doesn't. And it takes people a long time to get into it. Yes, it does. Lynn's Lou wrote Team Six All the Way. The movies encompassed in Team Six hit all the Christmas feels. Tessa wrote, definitely no perfect team. I'd agree with that. Probably choose Team One, but Team Six would be a close second. Team One and Six seem to get all the love, it seems, for the most part. Yes. And then on Reddit, then White Duke probably won for your trifecta, Julia. National Lampoon, Scrooge, and the Muppets. Absolutely. Avery Apples picked Team One. I can live off Muppets and Lampoon alone. Also true. Gary Blauman, who brought this to our attention, picked Team Five. And then we got a lot. President Hot Dog, close fights between one and two. But if you're going to give me National Lampoon, Bill Murray, Muppets, and Eddie Murphy, I'm not going to turn that down no matter how much I love Elf. Team One all the way. Uh-huh. Then we got a lot of Team Ones and Sixes back and forth. So those seem to be the two most popular ones even on Instagram. So. so Gary, thanks for bringing that game to our attention. That was fun. Yeah, man, that was super fun. So if you have any more games like that, Gary, or any other listener, bring it to our attention on the social medias that were mentioned before we got into all this feedback. And if they want extra Tissa podcast content, where can they go, guys? Since I'm a guy, I'll answer. <laughs> they go to Patreon. <laughs> Just the podcast.com slash Patreon. Uh, you just rewatched The Office. 
Remember the roast of Michael Scott when Meredith is like, Michael, you hit me with my car. You are the reason I drink. You are the reason I live to forget. <laughs> so I say it a roast about Tom. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, um, no, I check out Patreon. Say, it's, it's fair. It's fair. Check out yeah. Patreon, though, because we just dropped a new fireside chat this last Friday with Rebecca Bowl, which is awesome. You'll get some insight awesome. into Anthony's college years on that episode because she's a friend of mine from university. Yes. She was delightful. She was delightful. And we have more stuff coming. I'm going to try to convince Tom and Julia to another Christmas commentary soon, whenever they're available. I mean, yes, please. Uh, which movie? I say we just go down our top. The next one is Santa Claus and Christmas Vacation number three. I could just so we do our top anything. three. Yes to all of that. I have a whole bag of popcorn in my pantry just waiting for the moment. You know what else we need to do on Patreon? So I Married an Axe Murderer. I would love to do So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh my gosh. But I Man, think we need... No. I mean, like, it'd be an entire episode of quotes. It would because, be. 100%. Yeah. But I think we need a soothing Christmas commentary after this last episode. So I think so too. Totally we, game. Yeah. So subscribe to Patreon. We have an elf commentary up there right now. We're gonna get Santa Claus and Christmas vacation up to you soon. And we have a bunch of fireside chats and other things in the works. So if you're not a subscriber or you used to be, check it out. We are coming up to midway through the year. I mean, it, we got we got midway coming up. And you remember what our goals were that we set in January, or at least one of them? Because I've forgotten all but one of them. But, you know, at least I remember one of them. It was to get more content in Patreon to our, we were, to our patrons. And we're killing it. Not we are. We also had back. the goal of having all of our bonus holiday episodes done in advance. And we've already got Halloween and Chris, yeah. and Thanksgiving is on the... Radar? Oh, yes. Thanksgiving's yes. going to be fun, guys. Thanksgiving. And we're going to do one for the regular show and one for Patreon, just like we did for Easter. And so, you know, now's the time to subscribe if you haven't yet. And Julia, don't they have one more full day to enter a contest we're running? <gasps> for the thing, stuff I've not posted pictures of that you said to post pictures of and I haven't posted pictures of, that one? Yes. Yes, they do. So we have a contest going, we have a giveaway going that ends on May the 4th be with you. And if you get the word out that you love Tis the Podcast, which then drives people to leave reviews in the Apple iTunes store, wherever you get your podcast, there you go, um, then you have entered your name officially into winning some cool Christmas swag that I've been hoarding for quite some time. It's also if you share our Facebook group and tag to the podcast, we know you did it. Thank you. Also that. Also that. Increase your chances of winning. Um, I have some awesome Disney exclusive Christmas stuff and I have some Home Alone themed stuff and I will get a picture thrown up on social medias about that show you the cool stuff that I have. So go ahead and tell your friends about us. If you have not already, write us a review. It does help other people find our podcast, which we really love growing our community. It's a lot of fun for us. And share that Facebook group because let's face it, that thing is active. We actually got two so new fun. reviews this past week. 
We did. All right, we got a great review from Austin TX121234. Uh, Adorable podcast. The dedication to put out an episode each week of the three members is amazing. Thank you for the hours of entertainment. Thank you for the thank you. And And thank you, Anthony, for doing so much to make that every week happen. (laughs) Thank you, Anthony. (laughs) And Austin, Texas, message us on one of our social medias or email us so we can send you a sticker. Uh, And we also got a review this past week from YTR52574. Five stars. They wrote... And I know me and Tom are appreciative of this one because, yep. well, you'll see. I am a diehard Christmas lover, also known as Christmas crazy. Every year I get in a deep depression as soon as Christmas is over. Luckily this year I found this amazing podcast. Anthony and Tom's snarky and quick-witted banter toward each other drew me in. Me and Tom were a draw for somebody. <laughs> You're welcome for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Julia's upbeat outlook and keeping the guys in line also made me fall in love with this podcast. Even if, uh, which is why I think another answer to the question, which Christmas characters are we? We're the heat miser, snow miser, and mother nature. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Even if a Christmas movie I did not enjoy was reviewed, I couldn't wait to hear their perspectives. Man, you're really going to love tonight. It is always upbeat and fun. I want to thank the three L's for helping me not sink into that post-Christmas depression. I'm so happy to have found this podcast. Always witty, fun, and a highlight to this Christmas lover's week. I loved that. Nice. That makes me happy. It It really does. So YTR52574, message us on social media or email us. So we can send you a sticker. This podcast sticker. So for next week, y'all, if you're like me and have never seen House, you're going to get exposed. Wait, you've never it? seen it? You've never seen it? No. We don't Not do any, any medical shows in our house. No. Well, I didn't know if you'd like, I mean, it's on TV like all Mm-mm. the time, you know. Oh, but man, you've people, never seen House. If, all right. If there are people in white coats, the channel gets changed immediately. Right, he doesn't wear it. white coats. He refuses to. He See, does. if I had seen the show, I would know this. <laughs> We're going to watch, from what I understand, a snarky, self-aggrandizing, narcissist, drug-addled doctor who fixes all the things called House MD. Yes. Did I just describe it? Do I get it? That is right. it. And for, and for those who want to follow along at home, we're watching three Christmas episodes. Do you want to yep, we're gonna watch which one's there? Yep. Season three, episode 10, which is Merry Little Christmas. Season four, episode 10, It's a Wonderful Lie. And season five, episode 11, Joy to the World. So they're easy to find by their names, if nothing else. I am so excited. To oh, I'm House super excited week. about this. House is going to be a super quotable episode, too. Yes, you know, I've been really always. interested in seeing this because one of my favorite shows of all time was the Tim Roth show, Lie to Me. Yeah. And I get a very similar vibe from the two characters. Yes. I can, and, I can see that. Uh, that and Sherlock, you know, just that know-it-all that bugs the crud out of everybody. And yes. everybody's always, everybody on the show is always rooting for them to be wrong, and they never are. You know something else? Surprisingly, I am almost just as excited for the week after a house because it is going to be the week that Tom gets his comeuppance for this evening's episode when we cover Hallmark's North North Pole open for Christmas. You know, Julia, this is a fundamental difference between those of us from a kind culture and people from New York. 
We don't typically look out for opportunities for revenge. Oh, you think that's an insult? I know exactly what my people are like on that front. <laughs> Not to mention I'm a New York Italian, okay? I probably have some mafia blood somewhere. I know exactly what I'm like on this front. You're not insulting me, man. Oh, I'm not insulting. I'm just pointing out I am very thankful that I was in a kinder, gentler, more forgiving and loving culture. And you know what? I'm very thankful I was raised in a dog-eat-dog state that taught me how to fend for myself and turn into the Hulk when backed into a corner. <laughs> I really wish we people could see our recording this episode because I feel like Tom and I have had Julia laughing this whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've cracked up this whole time. In all seriousness, you know what I am excited for? We only have 5,664 hours until Christmas. 5,664 hours. That sounds very well. Oh, that's only 236 days. <laughs> That's only 33 weeks. We're almost I mean, we're going to be like 30s. out of the 30s and yeah, and like no time at all. Uh, guys, Leon Day is fast approaching. Speaking of bonus episodes, we should probably come up with something to drop that day. Oh, yeah. And when we record it, we should play the whole thing backwards. <laughs> no. Will it say Paul is I, yeah, dead? You know what? I know you, I know you say you're a big fan of horror movies, uh, big horror movies. I've seen horror movies where people do that and they accidentally summon a demon. You ain't drawing me into your games, man. I heard that if you play Nickelback backwards, you hear satanic verses. But worse of all, if you play it forwards, you hear Nickelback. You know what? Everyone, <laughs> everyone, hates, everyone hates on Nickelback. But if you go to iTunes top chart, yeah, yeah, look at me pulling up the reviews and the statistics tonight. If you go to iTunes bestsellers of all time, do you know Nickelback is in the top 10? That's insane of all time. If you go look at Spotify or Apple Music and you look at my history, you will never see a single Nickelback song or Incubus. Bye, y'all. <laughs> that was abrupt. So- yeah just like you've been this whole episode par for the course tom so do your homework y'all watch three episodes of dr house who is nothing like any of our co-hosts and we will speak to you next week bye y'all bye Bye, y'all merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight with Yes, it basically stars Tom. And oh my god, I agree. I am always right. Thank you, Anthony. Anthony, you just compared you just compared (laughs) him to Hugh Laurie and Benedict Cumberbatch. So luckily, I'm editing this week. (laughs) Can you put that in the blooper, though? (laughs) You're you're like I immediately regret this decision. (laughs) You. you,